you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly and as always, once again, I am glad to be joined on the show by my co-host here at Overtime Ireland. It is Doug Moore and uh, Doug... I was kind of thinking uh, since our last show, I think maybe our last show or else, this show may have been around the time where last year we kicked off uh, the, the Doug Moore era, or maybe it was the Doug Moore yeah. era, I don't know which one it was, but uh, we kicked that off around about a year ago, maybe I should have done some research into it and checked when you were first on the show, but around about this time last year we'll say, so uh, I guess happy one year anniversary, Doug. I I mean, you didn't even get me flowers, but you know, it's, it's been... Uh, <laughs> It's been awesome. I'll, I'll be honest with you. A year ago, I, you know, I saw you were advertising, and you and I never interacted before. Before you had advertised about it, and uh, there was a, uh, it was quite a. I, I remember the the. It wasn't necessarily a tryout process, but there was like a, an, a long wait period because you were moving back from Australia, I believe, yeah. at the time. And um, I'm like, oh, am I gonna get it? Am I gonna get it? Like this is a great opportunity, and um, so I did finally. And um, obviously, when I when I stopped writing about Flames football after the season, um, and I and I told you, I, I remember I told you about it, and I said, "Don't worry, I, I couldn't give up the show even if I wanted to." And um, so I'm glad it's been a year. It feels so much longer, but um, <laughs> that's not a bad thing whatsoever. Yeah, it really feels like such a long, long, long time. Uh, you, it sounds so good when you said that way, but uh, no, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, both of us it just, oh, it just goes on and yeah. on and it feels like 10 years but it's only been one year no it's it, it's it's a it's a long thing because I, I swear you and i spend more time together than my girlfriend and i and and um at least yeah. doing this so um sometimes you know. my wife doesn't be uh, all that happy about that <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh i guess maybe i should be glad you're not coming around to uh to the Boston area when you guys are coming off a vacation then <laughs> but I uh, know it has been a lo- it has been a lot of fun it's been a, a great ride along uh, going along the year hopefully you've enjoyed listening into the podcast over that year to all the listeners out there and uh, each and every time we do start the show I'd like to, to thank everyone for tuning in and always tell about the ways that you can listen to the podcast whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn all the ways you can find to listen to the show are on OvertimeIreland.com forward slash podcast and make sure you do hit that subscribe button and then when you're at it give us a rating and a comment on whatever device you listen to it listen to it on it really does help us here at OTI and we do thank you for that I have one little plug as well before we start talking I didn't mention we should have mentioned this actually before we get into the plugs to start the show Doug we're going to be joined on today's show by Jody Smith of Gridiron Experts and uh, you know Jody's a great guy every time we have him on the podcast and I really enjoy interacting with him on Twitter and uh, great great information all the time but we're going to talk to him about uh, some breakout candidates uh, you know, for the 2017 season. So that'll be coming up in just a few more minutes after myself and Doug, uh, I get this plug out of the way and then we run through some of the news over the, the last couple of days. It has been a quiet enough period in the NFL with OTA starting as well. So the plug to get out of the way is with NFLshopEurope.com and if you're an OTI listener, you're subscribing on Twitter, all you have to do to get 10% off all orders on their website is to use the code OTI10 while checking out and that will save you 10% off all orders. It is all official NFL merchandise. It is the same as NFLshop.com but it is the European version so I know a lot of our listeners are based in the US but then there is a lot here in Europe too so that there 
uh, is another way for them to get merchandise. Doug, I know it's not a problem for you, but uh, if we buy stuff off uh, US websites, sometimes we get hit with huge custom charges as they come into the country. Oh, God, so it's, it's a shipping fee and yeah. maintenance fee and threading fee and, and crap. I made up probably two out of those. Yeah, I've those never three, heard of any yeah, of those fees, just... but... Well, we'll, we'll yeah, say just... they, they are. There's a lot of fees there, and uh, Doug's right. Uh, you should use our code at uh, NFL, oh, NFL Shop right. Europe. Use, use the code. Use the code. Definitely. The code is OTI10 while checking out to save 10. OTI10. And their website is Europe.NFLShop.com. So do check that out. Grab yourself some merch uh, as we head towards the new NFL season. Uh, last week, or maybe it was the start of this week. Uh, I seen a lot of people tweeting that it's just over 100 days away. So let that countdown continue. And I dug then with the NFL news for the week. Uh, there's been most of the most of it's been coach speak. Little little bits and pieces coming out. This player is having a fantastic uh, OTAs. How good he looks, and uh, let that just go in one ear and out the other. But some parts maybe you pick up little snippets, and uh, you think, yeah, this here is something that I really need to pay attention to. Uh, one of them, unfortunately, to pay attention to is Corey Coleman. Uh, he is going to be out for it looks like six to eight weeks with a, an injury he picked up last week in OTAs. He made a catch kind of stretched out for a catch landed on top of the ball and uh, you know he's going to be huge action saying that he's going to be cautious with him make sure that he's fully healthy before taking him back in Coleman we know had an issue last year with his hamstring in training camp and then got injured early in the season missed quite a, a considerable amount of time so Coleman's a player that I really like his uh, talent and his ability but you know obviously staying healthy and staying on the field has been an issue for him yeah, so far yeah it's just yeah, I mean, it, it's disappointing, you know, for a guy who's as talented as he is, you know, he was, it, a lot of people forget he was the first uh, wide receiver taken out of the draft last year, um, you know, and, and he dealt with time, you know, like you say, he hurt his hamstring and then he broke his hand um, during the regular season, which obviously you need as a wide receiver, but also just he was dealing with injuries, bad offensive play, bad quarterback play, I wouldn't say bad, I'll say less than average. Because I, I think Cody Kessler is a little bit better than we give him credit for. But, you know, it, it's it's tough because he's still trying to learn a new system, get a rapport with whatever quarterback is going to be under center for the for the Browns. And, um, you know, especially with them going and signing uh, uh, Kenny Britt, I believe, yeah. uh, to that big Kenny contract. Um, pl- yeah, plus they, you know, they got rid of uh, Gary Barnage, who was, I think, their, besides uh, maybe – Duke Johnson, Terrell Pryor was their number one receiver last year. So I think Coleman really has a chance to step up, but it's tough when he gets injured like this. And you have to wonder, I think he's a little undersized too. You just have to wonder, you know, is he going to be on the field enough to actually make an impact? Now, maybe we're going a little too far into this, but, you know, you'd like to see something. Yeah, and, no, um, I, I, th- I think Doug, when we have seen him on the field, he has shown flashes. I think. He is. There's such ability there. You mentioned him being the first wide receiver off the board last year, and I think if he could stay healthy, he has the the opportunity to be a you know a big, big, big time playmaker in the NFL. But uh, you mentioned as well, like Priors away this season, and sure, they, void. There's a void to fill. Yep, and they they've taken in as well. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Kenny yeah, Britt, like and I think there's a, a huge, huge uh, workload there for Kenny Britt. I think unfortunately, I was hoping he would land in a better situation other than the Cleveland Browns. But uh, what can right. you do about what can you do about that? But when you look, um, you know, that's Coleman. Obviously, we've talked about him, and hopefully it'll be just this injury, and then he can get on track uh, ahead off the season. Bits and pieces of news. suppose I'll get on to uh, maybe the Patriots' backfield. It is very hard to decipher what's going on there, but reports coming out that uh, James White has won over Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Uh, what does that mean? Does it mean anything up there in New England? 
Yeah, it means quite a bit, you know, and I think it was easy to tell, at least for Bill Belichick when he got that extension. Belichick okays everything in Foxborough. Um, he okays anybody getting an extension. And when he revealed that the team approached him about getting an extension, that tells you just how much they were interested in making sure that he didn't hit the open market. And I remember talking on Sunday on my other podcast um, plug about alert. yeah, plug alert. Um, <laughs> but you know, talking about James White and how it was going to be, it looked like it was going to be a situation uh, with Shane Vereen, where Shane Vereen was a very talented pass catcher, uh, and the Patriots let him go in free agency. But they didn't. They actually kept James White around, and they gave him pretty decent money, which it's something we've seen on more than one occasion this offseason, where they gave, you know, uh, Rex Burke had the most money they've ever given a running back, at least in the Bill Belichick era, I believe, um, in a you know for one year. And then, you know, they gave James White an extension. They signed Mike Gillisley to, to two years, and they were aggressive in getting him. So I think they really are starting to value the running back position and really try to, to, to just make sure they get the way they want it to be. And I think James White winning the, I guess, the support or the trust of, of Bill Belichick, which we saw, and even Tom Brady, too, is, is huge. And not to say that he's going to have consistent, you know, for fantasy purposes, I'm not saying he's going to have, you know, production, but he's a guy who I think could be very valuable. I think maybe he's a poor man's theoretic in a way, where I think he's going to get a lot of looks, a lot of opportunities to catch out of the backfield, even with all the weapons that have been added this offseason for the Patriots. So I think he is going to be able to be a good fantasy contributor. Maybe not the most consistent, but he's a guy, especially in PPR, where you're going to be able to trust him after what they gave him for money and also, you know, what they what is it, you know, his breakout, I guess you could say, last year was. And, uh, you know, when you mentioned him, you mentioned uh, Dion Lewis. Do you think this is going to – we'll see Lewis being maybe faded out? <laughs> what do you think happens there? Because obviously there was a huge amount of people really uh, behind Lewis and buying him uh, in fantasy football terms this time last year. Listen, I'm a huge fan of Dion Lewis. Not only am I a huge fan of his game, I'm a huge fan of his character and, and, and what he's fought to get to where he is. Um, going back, we were talking about the running back – situation on on locker room guys the other podcast like i said with uh, myself and and lee schechter and lee is this diehard guy for and i agree with him completely my issue is that i don't necessarily see him as a hundred percent lock coming into the season and there's a couple of reasons behind that one he's going into the last year of his deal he you know is i i think he's the oldest out of the group now i think he's almost 30 years old um I mean, granted, he did. He was able to perform quite a bit when he when he finally came back and shook off the rust from his ACL injury. But you know, you, you have guys like Burkhead and White who both can catch out of the backfield. Even Gillisley can. And I'm wondering if Deion Lewis might be the odd man out. Not to say they haven't kept four running backs before they have, but I do wonder, you know, if he's necessarily a lock. I think if there's one guy on this team that I think has the the shakiest chance of making the roster which may not be a lot may not be saying a lot i think it's Dion lewis um i still think he makes the roster i don't know about his role i think you know it was pretty defined last year where Dion lewis was sort of legarrett blunt's sort of main backup where he took some runs on early downs he did catch out of the backfield but james white was the guy who got a lot of third down looks it's a little more muddled now i'm not sure i can trust Dion lewis more than i trust james white I think he's someone having uh, worth having on your roster, late round, 
especially in PPR leagues, but it's gonna be trusted. It's gonna be tough to trust him on a week to week basis unless there's an injury going on. Just because I don't think he's gonna get a lot of looks. I think maybe he'll get the ball maybe five times a game, you know, six, seven times, maybe at most without an injury. It's just going to be tough to try and, and, you know, spread the wealth among all those backs. Trust James White a little bit more than I do Deion Lewis, despite how Deion Lewis looked in his first season with the Patriots before his, his uh, knee injury. Yeah, and uh, Doug said there that Deion Lewis is uh, uh, 30. That uh, makes me feel very old because uh, he is, in fact, only 26. He will be turning 27 uh, in September this year. So, Doug... Don't be so harsh on Dion Lewis's age. Uh, you can talk whatever you want about him. Uh, Wait, I'm sorry. He, he, I, I feel. I, see now, I feel like no. I, I now I screwed up. No, he, he, I don't know why I said thirty. I might have been thinking. I might still have Legarrette Bunt on my mind, but um, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll no, just, he seemed. Well, no, he seems like the veteran of the group now. He's definitely almost. the veteran. He has been about quite. He's a definitely bit. the veteran, and, and I thought he was older for some reason. So, Dion Lewis, I know you're listening. I apologize. You're only. <laughs> turning 27 like uh um calm said so um I, i'm off by just a few years at least so um obviously a couple of bits of news there we're going to hit a couple of bits more now uh with jody and then we're going to get in as i mentioned to the breakout candidates for this upcoming season so uh so let's get jody on the show what is up everybody this is adam rank and you are listening to overtime ireland tell you to keep listening so, uh, as I done the intro there with Doug, Doug said to we talked we talked last week on the show about Doug moving. Well, he's actually in the the process of moving right this moment. So uh, sometimes things in life jump in, and uh, Doug will be joining us uh, momentarily on the podcast. So I'm delighted to be joined on the show now by Jody Smith of GridironExperts.com. It's always great having Jody on the show, and uh, it's going to be a fun time here talking some breakout candidates with him. But uh, Jody, as always, thanks for coming on the podcast absolutely it's good to be on with you again Colm I, I was on with you last season and we had yeah. a good time I think we actually hit a home run last time so we'll do the same this time yeah we'll try that's that's the, that's the goal all the time and we'll talk about the home runs and sometimes we won't talk about the, some of the, the missed calls we make but last off season uh, I had a pretty smooth run at, at my big mistake last year I don't know if you had any big mistakes Jody but I put a lot of faith into Keenan Allen I was very uh, a very big proponent of Keenan Allen this time last year so we all know in uh, week one how, how that turned out well, you can't predict that kind of thing. I, yeah. I understand someone like Keenan Allen who has a, a lengthy injury history. People can warn you off, but the, those it's just a freakish fluke thing that happens. Uh, I was actually pretty good last year with quarterbacks. I was advocating everyone wait and take guys like Marcus Mariota and Phillip Rivers, and, and that worked out really well. But, uh, you know, we all have every year we have painful misses and, and – uh, <laughs> We all, all we we try not to remember the misses. We try to remember, you know, when we get things right, like Philip Rivers and Marcus Mariota. Those those are what you want to reflect on later. Yeah, I, th- I think last year uh, we when you were on, uh, we really did agree on Mariota, and I, I I pretty much would imagine we're in the same boat again this year. But a lot of the time, it's those ones. You, maybe we don't like to talk about them when we're talking on podcasts, but it's sometimes it's the misses that make you reevaluate uh, the things that maybe you done wrong, and that's always helpful in the process as well. Uh, before we get into the breakout candidates, a couple of little bits of uh, news to continue on in the podcast. Uh, Lashawn McCoy, obviously still with the Buffalo Bills. He's somebody I want to get your opinion on because he's getting a little bit older, but uh, with Rick Dennison there, the new offensive coordinator, they're talking about the potential role that he might have in the passing offense. Uh, as a sophomore with the Eagles, he caught 78 passes under Andy Reid, and 
Since that, he's never topped uh, 55 passes in a year, but last year he did catch 50 balls for 360, 356 yards and one touchdown. So I think, you know, if you look at how the depth chart is at receiver and how, you know, there's not a huge amount. Obviously, Williams is behind him at the running back position. We'll be talking about him maybe a little bit later in the podcast. But how do you see uh, him shaking out this year? Do you think he, he passes what he did last year? If he can stay healthy, obviously... Uh, he had a few injury issues last year, but by by and large, he uh, he was on the field uh, in the majority of contests. Yeah, when he stays healthy, which uh, he has difficulty doing, he hasn't had too many sixteen game seasons. But when he stays healthy, he he, he does great. And I would expect this season, uh, you know, realistically, you can't expect him to repeat the t- the touchdown numbers. This is not the same offense. But you hit on Rick Dennison, and it's going to be interesting because Rick Dennison has. Uh, a pretty extensive history of, of using his running backs uh, in the passing game from uh, five times in the six years between 2006 and 2012 when he was with Denver and Houston. Um, they finished, they had a running back that finished top nine in total yards. Uh, he used guy, excuse me, their offense would finish top nine, but they used running backs uh, a lot in the passing game. You'll remember guys like Mike Bell, Selvin Young, Peyton Hillis, uh, known for their inclusion in the running game and the passing game. And most famously, we'll remember what Dennison did when he was in here in Houston with uh, Arian Foster, who finished first, third, and third in his three seasons uh, in Houston under Dennison. So it, it sounds like it's going to go really well from a passing standpoint. And the news today was that McCoy uh, is really excited to, to play a larger role as a receiver and you mentioned the 78 catches that he had in 2010 on 90 targets uh pretty healthy numbers i I don't honestly think he'll be that involved but he could go from the 50 catches he had last year i think it would as long as he stays healthy i think he can get into 60s uh, somewhere in that range but like i said i i generally expect the touchdown numbers will probably come down but with jonathan williams behind him that's a complete unknown you're talking about a guy uh who barely played so if they continue to give McCoy those short yardage carries, which they kind of uh, did at times last year, uh, he has the potential to, again, pay off uh, and be you know, a stud running back. And uh, he, you could argue that he's worth the, the fourth running back spot this year. You're obviously not going to take him ahead of guys like Zeke Elliott or David Johnson, but you can consider him uh, someone worth taking there in the bottom of the first round. I, I definitely agree. I think there's a huge upside there. I own him in quite a few dynasty leagues, and while his age is creeping up there, he's somebody that I'm, uh, you know, kind of going to hold on to for this year because I think he could be potentially a league winner there at the running back position. Uh, Kirk Cousins, there's a lot of talk this week, obviously with him back in OTAs. He says that the contra- contract talks with the Redskins is uh, going really positive, so he has until July 15th to work out a permanent deal with them under that franchise tag and uh, he has been talking about Terrell Pryor and wanting to get him as many touches as possible he talked about you know Pryor as a, a converted quarterback and how he understands the right tree and really what needs to happen from a quarterback's perspective so it's going to be interesting to see if he does get those touches but we've seen you know last year uh, in a short time as a wide receiver what Pryor can do uh, at the position what do you think of him this year if he is that number one wide receiver in Washington and uh, I think you have to look at him probably in that wide receiver two discussion if he can put up the touchdown numbers he did last year. But what do you see with uh, Pryor ceiling heading into 2017? Well, I see Terrell Pryor is one of the most underappreciated guys. 
in fantasy football last season, he finished as the wide receiver 21 in PPR scoring. And you're, you're talking, this was his first season as a converted quarterback, as a, as a wide receiver. And he also had a pretty terrible supporting cast there in Cleveland with RG3, Cody Kessler, Josh McCown all throwing passes. I'm pretty sure Vinny Testaverde started a couple games for them last season. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, he still led the Browns in targets, receptions, yards, and, and four touchdowns. It still led the Browns. But now he's moving into just a much better situation in Washington with Kirk Cousins, who's miles ahead of anything Cleveland has. And you also have the stability of a pretty potent offense, ranked number two in the NFL last season with Jay Gruden. Matt Cavanaugh now moves up from – quarterback coach to the offensive coordinator the thing is with Pryor, um i think the redskins are, are they're going to be a little bit more capable of distributing targets out you've got a lot more weapons over there you've got a fantastic tight end and jordan reed jamison crowder uh, excellent receiver you got multiple running backs are going to be involved and also josh doxson i know he was a bust last year but they'd like to get him involved so uh, that may limit his uh, ceiling, but uh, you mentioned that you think he's in a wide receiver two range, and I agree. And considering uh, how well he played last year, and this is a role that Pierre Garçon last year saw 114 targets, caught 79 balls, and finished as the wide receiver 22, which was one spot behind where Terrell Pryor finished. So very safe floor, in my opinion. I, I think that Terrell Pryor could inch up a few spots, if everything goes fantastically in Washington and he can get into the end zone a few more times, he could move up into, you know, the teens, wide receiver 16, wide receiver 18. But from from my eyes, the, the floor is pretty safe. So I, I, I pretty feel pretty comfortable that he's uh, in the wide receiver two conversation. And uh, as you can hear with some of the background noise there, uh, that means that Doug has reappeared on the podcast. He's back. And uh, Doug, I know that you had a, a question that you wanted to pose uh to Jody, in particular about uh, your uh, Twitter handle names, both of you with the the NFL at the end of the Twitter handle. I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, so sorry about that, fellas. I was moving a desk at the time. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yes, Jody, I saw late last night, someone was saying how people with the Twitter handle with uh, the NFL at the end of it, and they say that they don't know anything about football, and you can't trust them. I don't know who said it exactly, but I uh, wasn't me. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to war. I, I wanted to get your take, and I want to know if you will join me, my brothers and my brother in arms, uh, and fight with me. Well, us NFL guy uh, hashtag NFL uh, Twitter guys have got to stick together, Doug. <laughs> um, realistically, uh, it, it's probably just a thing where, and me personally, it, it was just uh, trying to have my name in a Twitter handle. Surprisingly was difficult even though i don't have the most common name and i i didn't i just couldn't make it work in something that made sense uh, i didn't want to have an underscore in it so i just tagged nfl on the end of it and it was just a way for people to differentiate the other jody smith who is uh, not involved in football and he often he often gets tweets and things and actually has direct people to me but uh I, you know maybe it's just people being uh, is it is it just hating on on an NFL? I understand if they say only people that work for NFL should have that. I no, mean, no, no, no. He said I, it I, with I, anybody. He said it with anybody with the NFL at the end of their name, you know, at the end of their Twitter handle. And I agree because I have a guy who's named Doug Moore. He's a uh, he's a columnist. He's in journalism. He's a columnist for I think it's, it's down in New Orleans. So I wanted to differentiate myself, but I also wanted people to know that 
you know, I am I am the the NFL. I am the core <laughs> of NFLs. So, that's it. And Doug, uh, like, well, that, that's, I, you know, I think Doug, similar to me, uh, you're a, a fantasy guy first and foremost, but you're trying to branch out and become more involved in the Patriots. Whereas I did the same. Right. Uh, last season here in Houston, I actually had media credentials, so I was able to get into locker rooms and go to practices and things like that. So, uh, you know, to me, it's it, it kind of uh, hopefully anticipating a transition more into the, you know, the real part of football. But I, I suppose if if anyone tells you that, that no one with NFL knows what they're talking about, hey, no problem. Uh, seek your fantasy advice uh, with somebody else uh, next year, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's right, that, right, Smith, NFL. I, I think that's uh, I think that's the right way to go, and I think Doug, uh, you know, when you're on Twitter, you try and have to you have to keep some of that noise out. There's uh, a lot of haters on there, and uh, it's not, I don't use oh, word there's, hit. there's uh, plenty yeah. of the hate. There haters drinking haterade, and, yeah. and I, I don't I don't use the word hater, hater a lot. I don't use the word hater a lot, but I think that's uh, an appropriate time to use it. Yes. Getting, getting in now to uh, the breakout candidates, I'm going to kind of group some of these together into categories or into positions, and the first. Uh, is going to be three running backs, and I'm going to get Jody's opinion here as to who, if you could only pick one of them, do you think is the most likely to break out? And then I guess if you want to give your thoughts uh, on the other two guys as well, if you want to do that. Uh, the first name up here is Ty Montgomery, obviously he's with uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the, the reason for this breakout, all these guys are under the age of uh, 28, and some of them, most of them are down around the 24, 25 uh, age group but the first name is Ty Montgomery second one is Isaiah Coel of the Cleveland Browns and then the third one is uh, Derek Henry of the Titans obviously Henry came in with a, a lot of fanfare last year to the Titans and then uh, DeMarco Murray was signed as well so you know he kind of played the, the backup role last year and was very very limited unless Murray was injured uh, and then we know Montgomery was a wide receiver he's playing running back now the Packers have taken in two running backs in the draft and three running backs actually in the draft and uh, then uh, Isaiah Crowell, that offensive line looks uh, to be a very, very strong part of that offense in Cleveland. So with him and Duke Johnson there, it looks like Crowell will be that lead back. He is still only 24 years of, of age, although he seems to have been in the league for, for quite some time. Out of those three, who do you think is most likely to kind of break out? Maybe who, who could, who's the most likely to be uh, an RB1 in fantasy football uh, in 2017? I think your most likely candidate to be the RB1 is probably Montgomery, but he's not the guy that I would actually target. I feel a little safer with Isaiah Crowell. Yes, yeah, You're talking last year, he finished as an RB15. Uh, well, that was with sp- splitting plenty of time with Duke Johnson, but it was the 40 receptions that really helped him in PPR. And at this point, he's also in a situation where he's looking for a contract. But you mentioned Cleveland's line. Very impressive what they've done to build up that offensive line. And Isaiah Crowell, despite the fact that he was the RB15 last year in PPR leagues, he has yet to get even 200 carries in his career. I think this is the season where that's going to happen. He's actually been pretty good at, at getting the ball into the end zone. And there's not not really anywhere for Cleveland's offense to go but up. So I, I actually am expecting some improvements there from Cleveland. And I think Crowell's a pretty good candidate to uh, be somebody that can approach 1,200 rushing yards and probably get into the end zone eight or more times. Uh, I feel like he's probably the safest bet there. I understand the appeal with, with, with Ty Montgomery. And, I you know, I like him just fine. But I have a couple of reservations. And it's mainly – when I, the way I look at it is if the Packers were sold on him – why did they only give him double-digit carries one time last year, despite the fact that they were desperate to establish a ground game? He was really, really good in that one game against the Bears where he got 16 carries. But if you take that out, 
if you remove that one game uh, for the rest of the season, he was under under five yards to carry and only had one rushing score uh, the rest of the season. So perhaps with a full offseason to prepare for the role and knowing that he is going to be a halfback entering the season, that'll change things for him. But also keep in mind uh, that the Packers drafted Jamal Williams and they drafted Aaron Jones, both guys that I really, really liked coming out of college. So there's some interesting talent there in Green Bay. It wouldn't shock anyone if, if once again – the Packers uh, went with kind of a committee. So uh, I feel like of the three, Crowell is, is probably your safest guy. Ty, uh, Ty Montgomery might have the most upside. And Derrick Henry, again, that, that's a guy I really like too. Uh, DeMarco Murdy faded a little bit down the stretch last season, and uh, Derrick Henry actually scored all of his rushing touchdowns last year from week eight on. So he kind of was surging a little bit. Uh, t- taking on a bigger role for the Titans. And I love the Titans offense. I already love Marcus Mariota. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. We actually hit on him yeah. at the very top of the show here. But look at the weapons they brought. You know, you like the Browns offensive line. The Titans off- offensive line is actually better. And now you have Tennessee bringing in two rookie receivers that are going to help open up that offense. And now you've got two really good running backs. Uh, some very interesting things going on there in Tennessee. Yeah, I agree. And I still think Derrick Henry's uh, more of a dynasty play than a, a redraft play. But, you know, if Murray does go down, there's a, a huge upgrade in his value there. And talking about running backs, I don't think there's many bigger running backs in the NFL than Derrick Henry. That guy is uh, just a monster. Uh, moving on to the next one, we're going for wide receivers in this group. We have uh, Redskins wide receiver Jamison Crowder. Uh, then we go with Tyreek Hill, who obviously had a, a nice rookie year last year and some spectacular plays for him. And then the last one in this group is Cardinals wide receiver John Brown. John Brown, a little bit older than the other guys. He is 27 entering this season. He had the sickle cell uh, trait last year, which kind of slowed him down. He had a sister move from his spine as well this offseason. So uh, reports going around that he is uh, a lot healthier heading into this year. And somebody who I was also a big fan of last year, and I've been buying him up again this offseason because the price has uh, reduced significantly in Dynasty uh, football. But uh, going through those guys, how do you see them shaking out? Um, do you think there's a, a bounce back or maybe it's hard to say a bounce back and a breakout, but do you see John Brown getting things back on track this season? I do, actually. Now that he is supposedly fully healthy, he had a way different, several different injuries last year yeah. holding him down. Uh, sickle cell, he also had some knee ailments, just different things. He just wasn't, he wasn't healthy the whole year. And now that Michael Floyd is gone, it, Michael Floyd had the second most red zone targets in their receiving core last year. You take that out of the equation, they're going to have to go somewhere else for the, for those red zone looks now. Uh, I think when you look back at, at John Brown, the last time he was fully healthy, uh, 2015, he had 65 catches, 1,003 yards, and seven touchdowns. That was a little, to me, that's a little more indicative of what I kind of expect for him this year. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, another year older, another year t- to me where he's going to be fading away. So John Brown with that deep speed when he is healthy, uh, it's an it's it's a it's an interesting element that was kind of missing from Arizona last year. Uh, I think Carson Palmer actually is a decent little rebound candidate uh, to come back as a little bit there too. Um, but Tyree Kill, you mentioned in this group, this guy, I mean, the just the upside for, for him is just, it's off the charts, and we saw that last year. He only played 416 snaps, but he generated 860 yards from scrimmage, and he managed to get into the end zone 12 times, and that includes kick returns. I didn't include his kick return yardage there because, for the most part, that's not going to help yeah. people out. The touchdowns help you out quite yeah. a bit. So playing 416 snaps, he got into the, he, he was wide receiver 15. I say he scored 12 <laughs> touchdowns. That 
Sigmund Bloom, I had him on my podcast uh, two weeks ago, and he said I, the question I asked: Do you what is your appeal for Tyreek Hill? Is can he be, develop into a complete receiver? And Sigmund basically indicated that he already is a complete receiver, and the expectation there is that the Chiefs, realizing that now, are going to get him way more involved in the offense. So, uh, to me, that makes kill very very interesting as a just a huge upside kind of guy that's going to probably take you a fourth round pick to get him on the roster this year so um i i would i would deal him as as uh, an ideal wide receiver too at that point if you are in a draft and you've already got uh, t- two running backs and, and one elite wide receiver that that's a real real nice uh play for you there to, to think about in your fourth round because you got a guy that was wide receiver 15 last year and he's got if he's going to start playing a lot more snaps uh you know the sky is the limit with him and uh doug have you anything to add to that do you do you agree there any any disagreements yeah i mean i i the thing with tyreek hill that concerns me is that the chiefs passing offense can be so anemic at times um where Alex Smith isn't relied on to throw it 40, 50 times a game. Now, granted, Tyreek Hill did a lot in in not a full round of, of snaps that you would see out of somebody who plays as, you know, or plays as well as he did. Um, but it concerns me how their passing offense can be a little wishy-washy at times. Um, we did see Travis Kelsey have a really solid year, but Jeremy Macklin had a down year after having a good year in his first season with the Kansas City Chiefs. And now you bring in Tyreek Hill, and Alex, Hill, Alex Smith is only another year older, and he may be on his way out, too, with them trading up to get Patrick Mahomes. Now, if Patrick Mahomes was under center, if this was a year from now, I would buy Tyreek Hill as a top 15 wide receiver. I, I think that he's sort of like a Brandon Cooks kind of guy for me. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to put up a lot of stats at the end of the season, but it's not going to come consistently. So that's my concern about him. A guy like Crowder, I really, really like because you're replacing a lot of targets with Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson gone, and all they really added was Terrell Pryor, who I don't think is going to take the 150 or whatever targets that they had. So I think it's only going to increase um, – Jameson Crowder's uh, you know ability or outlook I think he'll even get a chance to play more on the outside even though he's known as really one of the emerging slot receivers so I like I tend to like him more where they're much more of a passing offense as opposed to the Kansas City Chiefs who love to run the ball and they just trade up to get another running back so that's why I think that and I think Jody said the same thing obviously I, I like Crowder maybe a little bit more than most and maybe I'm down a little bit more on Hill just because of how absolutely nothing is. nothing wrong with Crowder. He he's just someone that's that's a, a you know a lot more of a bargain. He's somebody that at, at current ADP is right there at the top of the seventh round. He's going as the number thirty two wide receiver, and that's oh, yeah, about that's, where they finished actually, last year. He's a steal, definitely. He was um, a wide receiver twenty nine very quietly last year in PPR. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, had yeah. 99, 99 targets and seven touchdowns. I think the touchdown numbers were probably a little high, but but his role as a slot receiver and perhaps a little bit on the outside uh, seems pretty secure to me. I, I like Jamison Crowder just fine. Like I said, I think he's being uh, extremely. Oh yeah, open. yeah, no, I know. It's just I'm a little more down on a guy like Tyree Kill just because I think he's going to be a guy who's going to put. He's going to have monster games, but then it's going to be followed by duds. I think just because of how anemic the offense can be. And plus you talked about it. He had a lot, he had a good, a lot of his points or at least a solid amount of them. You know, what was it? Four touchdowns at least 
where he had it from return. I don't think we can count on him doing that next year. Now, granted, his snaps may increase, his targets may increase. I just don't know if he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to produce consistently week to week. He may have a great total at the end of the season, but I find it that there are going to be guys, I think, that are more comfortable or a little more safe when it comes to week-to-week production, which I know consistency is, is a myth in fantasy, really. But I, I think that he, you know there are other guys that are safer at that EDP that are going to get you more consistent production. I think when you look into Tyreek Hill, and you mentioned there, I think Cooks is a good example. I think he's somebody, you know, sometimes you can have consistency all season long if somebody gets you 10 points, but sometimes if you get that Tyreek Hill player, we've seen it last year, I know David Johnson did it consistently, but if you have a player who puts up, you know, 30 points in a week or 25 points in a week, it gets you to win that week. And if he does that three times a season, it's three guaranteed wins. So I think sometimes those players, Doug, as well, fall into a category all of their own where they're going to win you those weeks. And I think that just balances out over the season. Uh, I think Hill has the most upside, I think, with Crowder. He's the kind of player I almost would say that almost broke out last year because he had such a solid season. And uh, I think he's definitely still somebody who is a buy-low candidate. You mentioned ADP of the seventh round. I think that's a sensational value there. Moving on, we're going to do a few tight ends here. And we've got the Lions tight end, Eric Ebron, come into the league with huge fanfare. Hasn't really uh, done anything sensational in the league, but each and every season has uh, improved on his stats. And I think there's a big year coming from him. He's still only 24 years old. And we kind of talk about tight ends heading into that third year where you can really start to look at them as a, as a fully developed player in the NFL. The other one is Jack Doyle of the Colts. And then the last one then, uh, Doyle a bit older, 27. Then the last one is Austin Hooper, uh, Falcons tight end, caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I was very impressed by him and his limited action last year. He was a rookie last year. And I can see him continuing to prove improve but while I like Hooper as a long-term prospect I think if you're looking and redraft this year uh, Eric Ebron somebody who I think uh, there's a huge upside there for him in Detroit I'm not really a fan of Eric Ebron to be honest with you I find myself uh, most of most seasons most years waiting on tight end and and just continuing I've called it the Jason Witten plan for many many years now where <laughs> I just sit back and wait until round 12 or 13 and just take Witten uh, that plan's fixing to have to you know be updated because Jason Witten is the very Delaney near Walker the plan. you can call it from now on <laughs> Well, Delaney Walker is someone who's, you know, he's pretty consistently up in the top five, top top six tight end range yeah. now. But but Ebron, he's the kind of guy everyone every year he's on this list as a potential breakout as, as a set that's going to take over. And uh, while his numbers have improved each year, and, and that's fine, it's, 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 you know, honestly, you would expect that to continue. But overall, I think the Lions overachieved last season, and I expect them to actually regress quite a bit this year. I see Detroit as about a six-win team. And if that's the case, uh, I don't expect a lot out of out of their offense overall. I see Eric Ebron. Uh, he's in the same group with all the rest of the tight ends uh, that are what you miss on the elite group of five or six guys that there's not a lot of difference between them. You, you mentioned Jack Doyle. He's a guy who his ADP is right behind Eric Ebron right now. I would much rather uh, wait on him. He was a tight end 12 last season. He, he makes a great target. In the middle rounds for me, I, I would I, I feel much better about Doyle and even right. even Swoop, his teammate. Uh, that's somebody that you throw around a, a late flyer on. But yeah. Austin Hooper, he's interesting to me because while Kyle Shanahan didn't incorporate his tight ends very much in the offense last year, that could easily change because Kyle Shanahan, as you know, is now in San Francisco. Yeah. And Jacob Tammy, who got 31 targets and caught 22 balls and three touchdowns last season, he's no longer there in Atlanta. So the expectation is that Hooper could 
absorb most of those targets and looks. And like, again, with, with a new offensive coordinator, you could expect the tight ends to be a little bit more involved. So uh, Hooper's a, he's a receiver first. He's not much of a blocker. So he's somebody that's going to be out on pass routes pretty much all the time that he's out there. So to me, uh, Hooper's interesting. He's someone that I think could sneak into the top 20 or so for uh, tight ends. And considering how low his ADP is right now, uh, you know, if you're in a league where you have to grab a second tight end, he's certainly someone I'd be looking at at the end. Yeah, I think and he's. Uh, I agree pretty much with you said with Ebron, but you mentioned him being on these lists. Uh, you know, on previous years, I always think I try to, and it's one of the reasons I'm slow on Hooper this year. Is I tend to think it does take you know three to four years for the, the tight end to kind of really. Uh, develop the nuances and i know ebron had uh, problems in his first two years at kind of gathering some of that and so we'll see how he goes but i uh, pretty much agree with everything else you said there uh, two more position groups to run through the next one is willie sneed of the saints who has had two nice seasons now uh, down in new orleans and obviously with cooks moving away uh, there's michael thomas there obviously still but sneed has carved out a nice role for himself still only 24 years old the other one then uh, that i want to compare him with is another player uh, who should have opportunity this year uh, playing opposite uh, Kevin White, if he can stay healthy, it's Cameron Meredith. He's at uh, 24, had a rookie season last year with the Bears. Out of those two, uh, who are you picking for the better year in this season? Well, now it's coming down to value, where yeah. people are wise to Willie Sneed now. He was a guy that early on in this offseason was kind of disregarded. But now, with Brandon Cooks getting traded, obviously, uh, Willie Sneed has now zipped up, and he's now someone who's it's taking a seventh-round pick to get him. And I like the fact that he is going to move into the wide receiver two role for the Saints. But very inconsistent receiver, uh, 12 games last year with single-digit PPR scoring, and eight of them he was under six points. I understand that it's a completely different role for him. He's someone that I, I'm okay with, I like getting, but the seventh round is getting to the point now where uh, I'm not sure that the that his what he offers is going to pay off that price. And don't forget that Ted Guinness is there now, and that's yeah. going to take away a lot of the, uh, the deep looks that Snead was getting, uh, was adequate at getting open for. Those are, are pretty much you know, gone. those are going to go Gin, yeah. Gin's way now. And Cameron Meredith, uh, a lot of upside uh, with me there. He looks like the clear cut number one receiver there in Chicago with Alshon Jeffrey now in uh, Philadelphia. He's actually bigger than you think. Uh, Cameron Meredith is actually six three and over two hundred pounds. He plays. And the way the Bears used him, it gives you the indication that he might be a smaller guy that lines up in the slot. But that's not the case. Uh, him going in the ninth round to me, you know, full 24, 25 picks after Willie Sneed makes him interesting. Because, like I said, where Sneed is the wide receiver, too, for a very potent offense, there's a lot of mouths to feed there in New Orleans but when you look at Chicago, uh, he looks like, uh, like I said, the, the number one guy. So he's someone that could uh, out-target uh, Willie Sneed. And it's just someone that I think is a really, really nice value there in the ninth round. And uh, the last one we're going to hit here uh, for the wide receiver position is Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker. And then the other one is Rashid Perryman of the Ravens. Uh, these are two players, Kenny, you mentioned with Ebron, who have been on these lists previously. These are definitely two guys this time last year that were uh, you know, breakout candidates. Do you see either of them making that step forward? It's, it's a big year, obviously, for both of them. 
I'm not sure that I'm buying into uh, to either of them uh, actually, but if it came down to me uh, making a choice, I would go with Parker. Uh, you know, classic year three breakout candidate. Supposedly this offseason, he's trying to fix the maturity and the diet issues that have kind of plagued him his first two years. Uh, someone that's uh, again uh, going in a ninth round, so this is a range where you can actually hold off on receiver and still get some quality play here. I, I think Devontae Parker actually has more upside than Brashad Perryman. If I'm looking at Perryman, I, you know, I'd be more interested in holding off and going with Mike Wallace as yeah. the number 45 wide receiver in the 10th or 11th round because Mike Wallace has actually been a top 27 wide receiver in six out of the last seven years, and no one wants anything to do with him. He's actually been a wide receiver too in five of the seven years. I'm discounting that one-year odyssey he had in Minnesota because I'd rather not talk about that. But <laughs> Perryman, believe it or not, uh, we know Perryman missed his first year, but Surprisingly, he played 16 games last season. It seems like he made minimal impact. I understand that he was the third receiver and Steve Smith's gone. So that opens up a lot of opportunity for him. And keep in mind, Joe Flacco actually tied Drew Brees for the most pass attempts in the NFL last season, which is kind of overlooked. But I'm not sure that that Rashad Perryman is ready to take that next step. And I do have, despite the fact that the Ravens throw the ball a lot, I do have a reservations about getting excited about the Baltimore offense. So uh, considering Miami has a little bit more talent, so there's more mouths to feed there in Miami. I just think between the two of them, I feel like Devontae Parker has a little more upside. So I would probably want want to take him. And like I said, if I had to take a, a Baltimore receiver, I'd better take Wallace. Yeah, and when I said big year for them both, uh, I meant big year as in make or break rather than uh, big year performance-wise. But I, I agree with you on Parker. I think some of the plays we've seen him make give you that glimpse that, you know, we've just seen he is such an incredible athlete. He has made some big-time plays. And I think if Ryan Tannehill can take a step forward, I think there's a huge opportunity for him. And I think a lot of Parker's issues have been off the field. And if he can get all that cleaned up, as you mentioned there, some of the maturity issues, I think he could have a nice season. Perryman, as you mentioned, 16 games last year, put up minimum impact. And uh, it's, it is it is that I actually wasn't aware that Flacco had, uh, you know, had so many pass attempts last year. And Doug, just out of those guys we mentioned, was there any of them that you wanted to single out before we uh, wrap up? Yeah, I... I'm a huge fan of Devontae Parker, but I think they're a lot more committed to running the ball with JJ. Um, you know, coming into it after his breakout year, uh, they, they signed Kenny Stills to big money. Um, you know, they brought in Julius Thomas, which I think will take away some, some red zone looks at least. I'm not saying he's going to be an impact player, but I think he'll take away some red zone looks. I, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like with how much, Baltimore throws the ball and the fact that they really didn't do much to replace Steve Smith and the fact that they're running, you know, granted they did bring on Danny Woodhead, but also keep in mind, I don't think um, Dennis Pitta is going to keep up the the same pace of 86 catches last year, which I learned I think yesterday yeah. that he led all tight ends last year. Yeah, no chance in, <laughs> in, in receptions. I just think something's got to give. I think that, you know, seeing what he can do, I'm not saying he's a dynamo, but I think, which is how much Baltimore throws the ball, and the fact that their run game, it, it seems like it's decent on paper, but then you remember that Terrence West is still Terrence West, and also that uh, Brent, uh, Kenneth Dixon is suspended for the first four games. He's probably in the doghouse, and Danny Woodhead's coming off an ACL tear. I think that Perryman has a chance to break out. I think he's shown he can do more because his biggest thing was his injuries. 
He played 16 games last year. He was hurt for some of them, but he played 16 games. Devontae Parker has a lot more than just injury history on his uh, again going against him. I think he's also competing for targets where I think that Perryman could be that number one guy for them, or at least a 1A to a Mike Wallace 1B. So I would have to say, despite me loving Devontae Parker, especially when he came out of Louisville, I think that Brashad Perryman has a better chance of putting up better stats in 2017 than Devontae Parker, at least right now, until I see something else that really proves to me that he's going to be in, in Miami's game plan and he's matured more. So uh, at the end of the season, uh, either me or uh, Jody will be right, or Doug. So uh, we'll have to recap that one at the end of the season. We're in different stages on those two wide receivers. Uh, one final question before we do wrap up, Jody, and that is uh, with uh, you talking about the, the Houston Texans and covering them, DeAndre Hopkins last year obviously had a down season after the previous year, and maybe expectations were too high going into it. But how do you see him this year as a, a wide receiver? And uh, obviously, how do you think the, the quarterback position actually shakes out? Do you think... Uh, Watson gets the the starting job before the season or maybe mid-season? I'm pretty sure Tom Savage is at least going to start the season as as the quarterback. Um, It's a bit much to expect Deshaun Watson to come from that system and to learn Bill O'Brien's system uh, in in one summer. But, uh, you know, obviously he's going – I think he's going to get on the field at some point because anyone that's excited about Tom Savage needs – to understand that he has yet to throw his first professional touchdown pass so we're not talking about an accomplished guy here we're talking about another guy although he's had several years in the system he hasn't really shown the ability to consistently move the ball up and down the field however when he did get a chance to play with DeAndre Hopkins last year it it was pretty nice because while we suffered through Brock Osweiler who was so bad that Bill O'Brien actually had to remove almost three quarters of his offense because Bill and that's why you saw Titans so involved for the Texans last year, where they normally shouldn't be. It's because Brock Osweiler was incapable of going through progressions and learning the offense, so he just relied on tight ends, which hurt Hopkins. But as soon as Savage got the chance to play, Hopkins looked a lot better. And I think Savage is going to do a much more of a better job getting the ball down the field, trying to involve Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins, to me, it's a little bit in fantasy. Uh, he's a nice value because people are kind of down on him because of the quarterback situation is tough to figure out, and his numbers were down a little bit last year. I feel very comfortable taking Hopkins, who is an elite talent. He's entering a situation where he's going to have to be looking for a contract pretty yeah. soon here. Yeah. I think I think he makes a nice value if you can get him in the second round. But overall, to me, uh, you know, I, I'm positive that with Tom Savage under center, at least to start the season, it'll be better for Hopkins. And if Deshaun Watson takes over and can get the ball, because we know Watson has a strong arm, but if he can learn a system to where he can get the ball up and down the field, even better. You're talking about a big uh, Clemson connection there. So I'm excited about it. And like I said, I think think Hopkins is a pretty nice uh, value uh, this year. Uh, so uh, I've been kind of in MFL 10 leagues this offseason. Uh, sometimes, this time last year he was going late first round, and this year now uh, he's obviously going kind of mid to late second round, picked him up sometimes in the early third. So I'll be taking that all offseason long, and I'm sure as the season gets closer, that's going to that's gonna get you know higher and higher, that ADP. Uh, Jody, obviously you're on Twitter, at Jody Smith NFL. And of course I mentioned, uh, you know, when I was starting it off with Gridiron Experts, you mentioned as well the podcast, the old school fantasy uh, football podcast do you want to give any of those uh, a specific mention have you anything got going on in the next couple of weeks you want to give a plug to 
Well, I've actually got my first uh, article for uh, fantasypros.com dropping. Oh, nice. It should nice. drop actually tomorrow, and it's going to be some of the guys we talked about today. I looked at uh, undervalued guys in 2017, and it's uh, it's over 2,000 words, so it, it's pretty in-depth. And uh, coming up on my next uh, the Old School Fantasy Podcast, I'll have uh, Scott Fish, as we oh, all nice. know from yep. the uh, Scott Fish Bowl. So he'll be joining us, and we'll be talking about the uh, upcoming Scott Fish Bowl. And I saw a column that uh, you're in that again, and I'm glad that I'm not in your division. <laughs> yeah, last year was uh, pretty good. I started off the season, I think, 0-6-8, had a strong finish. But, yeah, all of, Scott League, all of Scott's leagues are incredible. So I look forward to that podcast. I had him on here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I'm in his uh, – king of the hill uh, league as well at the minute we're drafting and it's uh are you you're not in that are you it's, it's, no i'm not uh, king of the hill yes yeah, 16 team super flex uh so it's uh, pretty crazy and that all the quarterbacks are off the board by the end of the fourth round in that one so uh, a lot of fun leagues with scott I look forward to that podcast but it's always a pleasure having you on the show jody always like coming on with you guys i appreciate the opportunity so that was Jody, and it's excellent to have him on the show. As I mentioned there, his Twitter handle is at JodySmithNFL. Then as well, you can follow Doug on Twitter at DMoreNFL. You can follow me on Twitter at OvertimeIreland. Doug has mentioned on the show a couple of times the Locker Room Guys podcast. Make sure you check that out. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, um, we'll probably have a, a slightly reduced format. I'm heading on my vacation this coming week. Uh, heading on Sunday to, towards San Francisco and then I'll be heading on to Las Vegas so it should be a fun two weeks for me as I head on the summer vacation I said a few times to Doug holidays I was told don't use the word holidays it's too confusing I was, I was to the American listeners you're, yeah. you're calling it vacation, vacation. I'll be taking the uh, I'll be taking the elevator and uh, I'll be buying some gas <laughs> wait wait what do you what do you call it what do you call an elevator over in Ireland then? An, an escalator or a left an escalator or a left Oh, lift, because an escalator is something different. Now you're thinking of an escalade. <laughs> no, no, an escalator is the like the stairs that move themselves. Yeah, that's what I. That there is the same thing. No, it's not. An elevator is something different. Well, an elevator. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe you're right there, Doug. Maybe you're right. I'll give you that one. Uh, one don't, that... don't, don't come at me, bro. I got it. Uh, no, I... I'm not. I'm. I may have been born at night, but not last night, man. I got a, uh, I got stuck on my Americanisms. I need to, I need to have a oh, crash course. Okay. I need to have a crash course before we had, uh, before we had on that plane. I'm yeah, your guy for it. Yeah, quite a long flight, so maybe Doug can give me some notes and uh, I'll study up as, uh, as I head across the Atlantic. But uh, Doug as well, busy week for Doug. Uh, he's obviously, uh, we mentioned uh, in the last few podcasts, looking for a place. He's uh, moving in now, so. Uh, Doug, maybe that'll give you two weeks to, to get settled in before we get uh, back to recording the podcast again hoping it doesn't take the two weeks that you're that you're <laughs> saying that you're going to be gone for it i mean yikes i mean i'm hoping to have everything done by this weekend don't let sam listen if uh or don't let sam hear it if she is listening because uh i've already had enough of this process <laughs> sam make sure you get him to do everything the house should be clean from top to bottom because uh after those two weeks we're back podcasting again but uh i mentioned yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll only have a one week uh, gap because um I recorded a podcast a couple of weeks ago with a, a boxer from Ireland here who's uh, doing great things stateside, Jason Quigley, and I'll be releasing that next week on one of the weeks we're away. So uh, I know there's a lot of crossover between some of the, the listeners have been tweeting me, looking forward to that, some of the, the NFL fans. So should be a good one. I'm looking forward to sharing that. I just thought it would be a way of filling in some downtime because 
while I was in Australia, while I was in New Zealand uh, traveling, I did take my microphone with me and I did uh, record shows. But uh, I've been told by my wife, uh, no microphones, no recording shows while on this trip. No, so, no, uh, no, vacation. When uh, when it was uh, when it was uh, fiance or girlfriend, sometimes I got away with it. When it's wife, it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's a slightly different uh, situation. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. So I'll still be on Twitter. I'll still be checking, and I'm sure on there. But until we're back with the next show, and uh, that'll be two weeks from now. Uh, Stay tuned to the at Overtime Ireland Twitter feed. Stay tuned to at Demore NFL. Make sure you're following both. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.